Section 8 of the Phenomenology of Mind, Volume 2, by George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel. Translated by James Black Bailey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by phone. Chapter 6b, Part 1a. The World of Spirit and Self-Estrangement, Culture and its Sphere of Objective Reality, Part 2. This estrangement, however, takes place in language, in words alone, and language assumes here its peculiar role. Both in the sphere of the general social order, Siedlichkeit, where language conveys law and commands, and in the sphere of actual life, where it appears as conveying advice, the content of what it expresses is the essential reality, and language is the form of that essential content here however it takes the form in which qua language it exists to be its content and possesses authority qua spoken word it is the power of utterance qua utterance which just in speaking performs what has to be performed for it is the existence of a pure self qua self in speech the particular self-existent self-consciousness comes as such into existence so that its particular individuality is something for others ego qua this particular pure ego is non-existent otherwise in every mode of expression it is absorbed in some concrete actuality and appears in a shape from which it can withdraw it turns reflectively back into itself away from its act as well as from its physiognomic expression and leaves such an incomplete existence in which there is always at once too much as well as too little lying soulless behind speech however contains this ego in its purity it alone expresses i qua self its existence in this case is qua existence a form of objectivity which has in it the true nature of existence ego is this particular ego but at the same time universal its appearing is ipso facto and at once the alienation and disappearance of this particular ego and in consequence its remaining all the while universal the i that expresses itself is apprehended as an ego it is a kind of infection in virtue of which it establishes at once a unity with those who are aware of it a spark that kindles a universal consciousness of self that it is perceived as a fact by others means eo ipso that its existence is itself dying away this its otherness is taken back into itself and its existence lies just in this that qua self-conscious now as it exists it has no subsistence and that it subsists just through its disappearance this disappearance is therefore itself ipso facto its continuance it is its own cognition of itself and its knowing itself as something that has passed into another self that has been perceived and apprehended and is universal spirit maintains this form of reality here because the extremes too whose unity spirit is have directly the character of being realities each on its own account their unity is disintegrated into rigid aspects each of which is an actual object for the other and each is excluded from the other the unity therefore appears in the role of a mediating term which is excluded and distinguished from the separated reality of the two sides it has therefore itself the actual character of something objective apart and distinguished from its aspects and objective for them that is the unity is an existent objective fact 
the spiritual substance comes as such into existence only when it has been able to take as its aspect those self-consciousnesses which know this pure self to be a reality claiming immediate validity and therein immediately know too that they are such realities merely through the process of alienation through that pure self the moments of substance get the transparency of a self-knowing category and become clarified so far as to be moments of spirit through the mediating process spirit comes to exist in spiritual form spirit in this way is the mediating term presupposing those extremes and produced through their existence but it is also the spiritual whole breaking out between them which sunders itself into them and creates each solely in virtue of that contact with the whole which belongs to its very principle the fact that both extremes are from the start and in their very nature transcended and disintegrated brings out their unity and this is the process which fuses both together interchanges their characteristic features and binds them together and does so in each extreme this mediating process consequently actualizes the principle of each of the two extremes or makes what each is inherently in itself its controlling and moving spirit both extremes the state authority and the noble type of consciousness are disintegrated by this latter in state power the two sides are the abstract universal which is obeyed and the individual will existing on its own account which however does not yet belong to the universal itself in nobility the two sides are the obedience in giving up existence or the inherent maintenance of self-respect and honour and on the other hand a self which exists purely for its own sake and whose self-existence is not yet done away with the self-will that remains always in reserve these two moments into which the extremes are refined and which therefore find expression in language are the abstract universal which is called the universal best and the pure self which by rendering service abrogated the life of absorption in the manifold variety of existence both in principle are the same for pure self is just the abstract universal and hence their unity acts as their mediating term but the self is to begin with actual only in consciousness as one extreme while the inherent nature an sich, is actualized in state authority as the other extreme that state power not merely in the form of honour but in reality should be transferred to it is lacking in the case of consciousness while in the case of state authority there is lacking the fact that it was obeyed not merely as a so-called universal best but as will in other words a state power which is the self regulating and deciding the unity of the principle in which state power still remains and into which consciousness has been refined becomes real in this mediating process and this exists qua mediating term in the simple form of speech all the same the aspects of this unity are not yet present in the form of two selves as selves for state power comes first to be inspired with active selfhood this language is therefore not yet spiritual existence in the sense in which spirit completely knows and expresses itself nobility of consciousness because the extreme form of self assumes the role of creating the language by which the separate factors related are formed into active spiritual wholes the heroism of dumb service passes into the heroism of flattery 
this reflection of service in expressed language constitutes the self-conscious self-disintegrating mediating term and reflects back into itself not only its own special extreme but reflects the extreme of universal power back into this self too and makes that power which is at first implicit into an independent self-existence and gives it the individualistic form of self-consciousness through this process the indwelling spirit of this state power comes into existence that of an unlimited monarch it is unlimited the language of flattery raises power into transparent clearly acknowledged universality this moment being the product of language of transparent spiritualized existence is a purified form of self-identity it is a monarch for flattering language likewise puts individualistic self-consciousness on its pinnacle what conscious nobility abandons as regards this aspect of pure spiritual unity is the pure essential nature of its thought its ego itself the naked particularity of its ego which otherwise is only imagined flattery brings out more definitely into relief as an actual existence by giving the monarch a proper name for it is in the name alone that the distinction of the individual from everyone else is not imagined but is actually made by all by having a name the individual passes for a pure individual not merely in his own consciousness of himself but in the consciousness of all by its name then the monarch becomes absolutely detached from every one exclusive and solitary and in virtue of it is unique as an atom that cannot commute any part of its essential nature and has nothing like itself this name is thus a reflection into itself or is the actual reality which universal power has inherently within itself through the name the power is the monarch conversely he this particular individual thereby knows himself this individual self to be universal power knows that the nobles not only are ready and prepared for the service of the state authority but are grouped as an ornamental setting round the throne and that they are forever telling him who sits thereon what he is the language of their professed praise is in this way the spirit that unites together the two extremes in the case of state power itself this language reflects in itself the abstract power and gives to it the moment peculiar to the other extreme an isolated self of its own willing and deciding on its own account and consequently gives it self-conscious existence or again by that means this self-conscious particular being comes to be aware of itself for certain as the supreme authority this power is the central focal self into which through relinquishing their own inner certainty of self the many separate centres of selfhood are fused together into one since however this proper spirit of state power subsists by getting its realization and its nourishment from the homage of action and thought rendered by the nobility it is a form of independence in internal self-estrangement the noble the extreme form of self-existence keeps back the other extreme of actual universality and keeps it back for the universality of thought which was relinquished the power of the state has passed over to and fallen upon the noble it falls to the noble primarily to make the state authority truly effective in his existence as a self on his own account that authority ceases to be the inert being it appeared to be qua extreme of abstract and merely implicit reality looked at per se state power reflected back into itself 
or becoming spiritual means nothing else than that it has come to be a moment of self-conscious life that is is only by being sublated consequently it is now the real in the sense of something whose spiritual meaning lies in being sacrificed and squandered it exists in the sense of wealth it continues no doubt to subsist at the same time as a form of reality over against wealth into which in principle it is forever passing but it is a reality whose inherent principle is this very process of passing over owing to the service and the reverence rendered to it and by which it arises into its opposite into the condition of relinquishing its power thus from its point of view the special and peculiar self which constitutes its will becomes by the self-abasement of the nobility a universal that renounces itself becomes completely an isolated particular a mere accident which is the prey of every stronger will what remains to it of the universally acknowledged and incommunicable independence is the empty name while then the nobility may adopt the attitude of something that can in a similar way stand related to the universal power its true nature lies rather in retaining its own separateness of being when rendering its service but in what is properly the abnegation of its personality its true being lies in actually cancelling and rending in pieces the universal substance its spirit is the attitude of thoroughgoing discordance inequality on one side it retains its own will in the honour it receives on the other hand it gives up its will in part it alienates its inner nature from itself and arrives at the extreme of discordance with itself in part it subdues the universal substance to itself and puts this entirely at variance with itself it is obvious that as a result its own specific nature which kept it distinct from the so-called base type of mind disappears and with that this latter type of mind too the base type has gained its end that of subordinating universal power to self-centred isolation of self endowed in this way with universal power self-consciousness exists in the form of universal beneficence or from another point of view universal power is wealth that again is itself an object for consciousness for wealth is here taken to be the universal put in subjection which however through this first transcendence is not yet absolutely returned into the self self has not as yet its self as such for object but the universal essential reality in a state of sublation since this object has first come into being the relation of consciousness towards it is immediate and consciousness has thus not yet set forth its want of congruity with this object we have here the nobility preserving its own self-centred existence in the universal that has become non-essential and hence acknowledging the object and feeling grateful to its benefactor wealth has within it from the first the aspect of self-existence it is not the selfless universal of state power or the unconstrained simplicity of the natural life of spirit it is state power as holding its own by effort of will in opposition to a will that wants to get the mastery over it and get enjoyment out of it but since wealth has merely the form of being essential this one-sided self-existent life which has no being in itself which is rather the sublation of inherent being is the return of the individual into himself to find no essential reality in his enjoyment it thus itself needs to be given animation 
and its reflective process of bringing this about consists in its becoming something real in itself as well as for itself instead of being merely for itself wealth which is the sublated essential reality has to become the essentially real in this way it preserves its own spiritual principle in itself it will be sufficient here to describe the content of this process since we have already explained at length its form nobility then stands here in relation not to the object in the general sense of something essential what is alien to it is self-existence itself it finds itself face to face with its own self as such in a state of alienation as an objective solid actuality which it has to take from the hands of another self-centred being another equally fixed and solid entity its object is self-existence that is its own being but by being an object this is at the same time ipso facto an alien reality which is a self-centred being on its own account has a will of its own that is it sees itself under the power of an alien will on which it depends for the concession of itself from each particular aspect self-consciousness can abstract and for that reason even when under an obligation to one of these aspects retains the recognition and inherent validity of self-consciousness as an independent reality here however it finds that as regards its own ego its own proper and peculiar actuality it is outside itself and belongs to an other finds its personality as such dependent on the chance personality of another on the accident of a moment of an arbitrary caprice or some other sort of irrelevant circumstance in the sphere of legal right what lies in the power of the objective being appears as an incidental content from which it is possible to make abstraction and the governing power possessed does not affect the self as such rather this self is recognized but here the self sees its self-certainty as such to be the most unreal thing of all finds its pure personality to be absolutely without the character of personality the sense of its gratitude is therefore a state in which it feels profoundly this condition of being utterly outcast and feels also the deepest revolt as well since the pure ego sees itself outside self and torn in sunder everything that gives continuity and universality everything that bears the name of law good and right is thereby torn to pieces at the same time and goes to wreck and ruin all identity and concord break up for what holds sway is the purest discord and disunion what was absolutely essential is absolutely unessential what has a being on its own account has its being outside itself the pure ego itself is absolutely disintegrated thus since this consciousness receives back from the sphere of wealth the objective form of being a separate self-existence and cancels that objective character it is in principle not only like the preceding reflection not completed but is consciously unsatisfied the reflection since the self receives itself as an objective fact is the immediate contradiction that has taken root in the pure ego as such qua self however it at the same time ipso facto rises above this contradiction it is absolutely elastic and again cancels this sublation of itself repudiates this repudiation of itself wherein its self-existence is made to be something alien to it revolts against this acceptance of itself and in the very reception of itself is self-existent since then the attitude of this type of consciousness is bound up with this condition of utter disintegration the distinction constituting its spiritual nature that of being nobility and opposed to baseness 
falls away and both aspects are the same the spirit of well-doing that characterizes the action of wealth may further be distinguished from that of the conscious life accepting the benefit it confers and deserves special consideration the spirit animating wealth had an unreal insubstantial independence wealth was something to be given up by communicating what it has however it passes into something essential and inherent since it fulfils its nature in sacrificing itself it cancels the aspect of particularity of merely seeking enjoyment for one's own particular self and being thus sublated qua particular the type of spirit here is universality or essentially real what it imparts what it gives to others is self-existence it does not hand itself over however as a natural selfless object as the frankly and freely offered condition of unconscious life but as self-conscious as a reality keeping hold of itself it is not like the power of an inorganic element which is felt by the consciousness receiving its force to be inherently transitory it is the power over self a power aware that it is independent and voluntary and knowing at the same time that what it dispenses becomes the self of someone else wealth thus shares reprobation with its clientele but in place of revolt appears arrogance for in one aspect it knows as well as the self it benefits that its self-existence is a matter of accident but itself is this accident in whose power personality is placed in this mood of arrogance which thinks it has secured through a dull and alien ego nature and thereby brought its inmost being into submission it overlooks the secret rebellion of the other self it overlooks the fact of all bonds being completely cast aside overlooks this pure disintegration in which the self-identity of what exists for its own sake having become sheer internal discordance all oneness and concord all subsistence is rent asunder and in which in consequence the thoughts and intentions of the benefactor are the first to be shattered it stands directly in front of this abyss cleaving it to the innermost this bottomless pit where every solid base and stay have vanished and in the depths it sees nothing but a common thing a display of whims on its part a chance result of its own caprice its spirit consists in quite unreal imagining in being superficially forsaken of all true spiritual import just as self-consciousness had its own manner of speech in dealing with state power in other words just as spirit took the form of expressly and actually mediating between these two extremes self-consciousness has also a mode of speech in dealing with wealth but still more when in revolt does it adopt a language of its own the form of utterance which supplies wealth with the sense of its own essential significance and thereby makes it master of itself is likewise the language of flattery but of ignoble flattery for what it gives out to be the essential reality it knows to be a reality without an inherent nature of its own to be something at the mercy of another the language of flattery however as already remarked is that of a one-sided spirit to be sure its constituent elements are on the one hand a self moulded by service into a shape where it is reduced to bare existence and on the other the inherent reality of the power dominating the self yet the bare principle the pure conception in which the mere self and the inherent reality an sich that pure ego and this pure reality or thought are one and the same thing this conceptual unity of the two aspects between which the reciprocity takes effect is not consciously felt when this language is used 
the object is consciously still the inherent reality in opposition to the self in other words the object is not for consciousness at the same time its own proper self as such the language expressing the condition of disintegration wherein spiritual life is rent asunder is however the perfect form of utterance for this entire stage of spiritual culture and development the formative process of moulding self-consciousness building and expresses the spirit in which it most truly exists this self-consciousness which finds befitting the rebellion that repudiates its own repudiation is eo ipso absolute self-identity in absolute disintegration the pure activity of mediating pure self-consciousness with itself it is the oneness expressed in the identical judgment where one and the same personality is subject as well as predicate but this identical judgment is at the same time the infinite judgment for this personality is absolutely split in two and subject and predicate are entities utterly indifferent one to the other which have nothing to do with each other with no necessary unity so much so that each has the power of an independent personality of its own what exists as a self on its own account has for its object its own self-existence which is object in the sense of an absolute other and yet at the same time directly in the form of itself itself in the sense of an other not as if this had an other content for the content is the same self in the form of an absolute opposite with an existence completely all its own and indifferent we have then here the spirit of this real world of formative culture conscious of its own nature as it truly is and conscious of its ultimate and essential principle the grief this type of spiritual life is the absolute and universal inversion of reality and thought their entire estrangement the one from the other it is pure culture what is found out in this sphere is that neither the concrete realities state power and wealth nor their determinate conceptions good and bad nor the consciousness of good and bad the consciousness that is noble and the consciousness that is base possess real truth it is found that all these moments are inverted and transmuted the one into the other and each is the opposite of itself the universal power which is the substance since it gains a spiritual nature peculiarly its own through the principle of individuality accepts the possession of a self of its own merely as a name by which it is described and even in being actual power is really so powerless as to have to sacrifice itself but this selfless reality given over to another this self that is turned into a thing is in fact the return of the reality into itself it is a self-existence that is there for its own sake the existential form of spirit the principles belonging to these realities the thoughts of good and bad are similarly transmuted and reversed in this process what is characterized as good is bad and vice versa the consciousness of each of these moments by itself the conscious types judged as noble and base these are rather in their real truth similarly the reverse of what these specific forms should be nobility is base and repudiated just as what is repudiated as base turns round into the nobleness that characterizes the most highly developed form of free self-consciousness looked at formally everything is likewise in its external aspects the reverse of what is internally for itself and again it is not really and in truth what it is for itself but something else than it wants to be self-existence on its own account is strictly speaking the loss of self and alienation of self is really self-preservation 
the state of things brought about here then is that all moments execute justice on one another all round each is just as much in a condition of inherent alienation as it fancies itself in its opposite and in this way reverses its nature spirit truly objective however is just this unity of absolutely separate moments and in fact comes into existence as the common ground the mediating agency just through the independent reality of these selfless extremes its very existence lies in universal talk and depreciatory judgment rending and tearing everything before which all those moments are broken up that are meant to signify something real and to stand for actual members of the whole and which at the same time plays with itself this game of self-dissolution this judging and talking is therefore the real truth which cannot be got over while it overpowers everything it is that which in this real world is alone truly of importance each part of this world comes to find there its spirit expressed or gets to be spoken of with spirit and finds said of it what it is the honest soul takes each moment as a permanent and essential fact and is an uncultivated unreflective condition which does not think and does not know that it is just doing the very inverse the distraught and disintegrated soul is however aware of inversion it is in fact a condition of absolute inversion the conceptual principle predominates there brings together into a single unity the thoughts that lie far apart in the case of the honest soul and the language clothing its meaning is therefore full of esprit and wit geistreich the content uttered by spirit and uttered about itself is then the inversion and perversion of all conceptions and realities a universal deception of itself and of others the shamelessness manifested in stating this deceit is just on that account the greatest truth this style of speech is the madness of the musician who piled and mixed up together some thirty airs italian french tragic comic of all sorts of kinds now in a deep undertone he descended to the depths of hell then contracting his throat to a high piping falsetto he rent the vault of the skies raving and soothing haughtily imperious and mockingly jeering by turns the placid soul that in simple honesty of heart takes the music of the good and true to consist in harmony of sound and uniformity of tone that is in a melodious chord regards this style of expression as a fickle fantasy of wisdom and folly a melee of so much skill and low cunning composed of ideas as likely to be right as wrong with as complete a perversion of sentiment with as much consummate shamefulness in it as absolute frankness candour and truth it is not able to refrain from bringing out the sound of every note and running up and down the whole gamut of feeling from the depths of contempt and repudiation to the highest pitch of admiration and stirring emotion a vein of the ridiculous will be diffused through the latter which takes away from their nature the former will find in their very candour a strain of atoning reconcilement will find in their shuddering depths the all-powerful qualities which give spirit a self if we consider by way of contrast to the mode of utterance indulged in by this self-transparent distracted type of mind the language adopted by that simple placid consciousness of the good and the true we find that it can only speak in monosyllables when face to face with the frank and self-conscious eloquence of the mind developed under the influence of culture for it can say nothing to the latter that the latter does not know and say 
if it gets beyond speaking in monosyllables then it says the same thing that the cultivated mind expresses but in doing so commits in addition the folly of imagining that it is saying something new something different its very syllables disgraceful base are this folly already for the other says them of itself this latter type of mind perverts in its mode of utterance everything that sounds the same because this self-sameness is merely an abstraction but in its actual reality is intrinsically and inherently perversion on the other hand again the unsophisticated mind takes under its protection the good and the noble that is what retains its identity of meaning in being objectively expressed and takes care of it in the only way here possible that is to say the good must not lose its value because it may be linked with what is bad or mingled with it for to be thus associated with badness is its condition and necessity and the wisdom of nature lies in this fact yet this unsophisticated mind while it intended to contradict has merely in doing so gathered into a trifling form the meaning of what spirit said and put it in a manner which by turning the opposite of noble and good into the necessary condition of noble and good means in an unthinking way to state something else than that the so-called noble and good is by its very nature the reverse of itself or that what bad is conversely something excellent if the naive consciousness makes up for this barren soulless idea by the concrete reality of what is excellent when it produces an example of what is excellent whether in the form of a fictitious case or a true story and thus shows it to be not an empty name but an actual fact then the universal reality of perverted action stands in sharp contrast to the entire real world where that example constitutes merely something quite isolated and particular merely an espèce a sort of thing and to represent the existence of the good and the noble as an isolated particular anecdote whether fictitious or true is the bitterest thing that can be said about it finally should the naive mind require this entire sphere of perversion to be dissolved and broken up it cannot ask the individual to withdraw out of it for even diogenes in his tub with his pretence of withdrawal is under the sway of that perversion and to ask this of the particular individual is to ask him to do precisely what is taken to be bad that is to care for the self as particular but if the demand to withdraw is directed at the universal individual it cannot mean that reason must again give up the culture and development of spiritual conscious life which has been reached that reason should let the extensive riches of its moments sink back into the naivete of natural emotion and revert and approximate to the wild condition of the animal consciousness which is also called the natural state of innocence on the contrary the demand for this dissolution when addressed to the spirit realized in culture can only mean that it must qua spirit return out of its confusion into itself and win for itself a still higher level of conscious life in point of fact however spirit has already accomplished this result to be conscious of its own distraught and torn condition and to express itself accordingly this is to pour scornful laughter on its existence on the confusion pervading the whole and on itself as well it is at the same time this whole confusion dying away and yet apprehending itself to be doing so this self-apprehending vanity of all reality and of every definite principle reflects the real world into itself in a twofold form in the particular self of consciousness qua particular 
and in the pure universality of consciousness in thought according to the one aspect mind thus come to itself has directed its gaze into the world of actual reality and makes that reality its own purpose and its immediate content from the other side its gaze is in part turned solely on itself and against that world of reality in part turned away from it towards heaven and its object is the region beyond the world in respect of that return into self the vanity of all things is its own peculiar vanity it is itself vain it is self existing for its own sake a self that knows not only how to sum up and chatter about everything but with esprit and wit to hit off the contradiction that lies in the heart of the all so solid seeming reality and the fixed determinations which judgment set up and that contradiction is their real truth looked at formally it finds everything estranged from itself self-existence is cut off from essential being an sich. what is intended and the purpose are separated from real truth and from both again existence for another what is ostensibly put forward is cut off from the proper meaning the real fact the true intention it thus knows exactly how to put each moment in antithesis to every other knows in short how to express correctly the perversion that dominates all of them it knows better than each what each is no matter how it is constituted since it apprehends what is substantial from the side of that disunion and contradiction of elements combined within its nature but not from the side of disunion itself it understands very well how to pass judgment on this substantial reality but has lost the capacity of truly grasping it this vanity needs at the same time the vanity of all things in order to get from them consciousness of itself it therefore itself creates this vanity and is the soul that supports it state power and wealth are the supreme purposes of its strenuous exertion it is aware that through renunciation and sacrifice it is moulded into universal shape that it attains universality and in possessing universality finds general recognition and acceptance state power and wealth are the real and actually acknowledged sources of power but its gaining acceptance thus is itself vain and just by the fact that it gets the mastery over them it knows them to be not real by themselves knows rather itself to be the power within them and them to be vain and empty that in possessing them it thus itself is able to stand apart from and outside them this is what it expresses in spirited languages and to express this is therefore its supreme interest and the true meaning of the whole process in such utterance this self in the form of a pure self not associated with or bound by determinations derived either from reality or thought comes consciously to be a spiritual entity having a truly universal significance and value it is the condition in which the nature of all relationships is rent asunder and it is the conscious rending of them all but only by self-consciousness being roused to revolt does it know its own peculiar torn and shattered condition and in its knowing this it has ipso facto risen above that condition in that state of self-conscious vanity all substantial content comes to have a negative significance which can no longer be taken in a positive sense the positive object is merely the pure ego itself and the consciousness that is rent in sunder is inherently and essentially this pure self-identity of self-consciousness returned to itself End of section eight.